Welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody, to another fun-filled week of Glitch Cube. Yay! Yay! <laughs> All right, so before we jump into today's episode, we're going to start it off with some joyous plugs. Is there anything this week that you are excited about that you want to share with the world, Chris? Um... Honestly, I've just been busy playing games. There's been a lot of new games coming out, and I've just been really stuck on them. Uh, playing through Eternal right now, which has been Ooh. really freaking cool. I've been watching a lot of gameplay of that. That looks awesome. It's It runs so nice. Like When you think of a next-gen game, like I feel like this is it mm-hmm. for right now. Like It's just it's beautiful. It's like seamless. I mean, it is a roguelike, so there are, it, it has those upsides and downsides to it, depending how you like the genre. I would say roguelike, sort of. Those runs are long. Yeah. It's, yeah, it because the way it is, like, to me, it doesn't really feel like a rogue. It feels more like an arcade game. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a lot of fun with it so far. I I've been jumping between that and I'm finishing up a game right now on the side so once i beat that today i'll probably fully stick with returnal for a bit nice and i don't know i'm thinking about getting pokemon snap at some point yeah. just because why not I mean, right. but it'd be kind yeah. of fun sweet what about uh, you for me i've actually been you know with my overnight shifts i listen to a lot of podcasts out there and i take in a lot of outside information that way And I've actually been catching back up with Dimension 20, which is a really, really great, like, D&D, like, real play podcast for all of you fans Mm -hmm. out there. Like, definitely check out Dimension 20 if you haven't had a chance to. I kind of slept on it, and I'm a little late to the game. But now that I'm listening to it, it's insane. Like, I feel like it has the Mm -hmm. best theatrics that I've ever heard. The stories are amazing. Their DM is fantastic. And if you rather watch it, they do have available on YouTube where it's from College Humor. So they have like a huge set mm. and like full miniatures of like the cities. Like it, while they're describing their characters, they even have artist renditions of the characters. And then they have minis of those as well. Like it's super, super cool to not just listen to, but to watch it as well. And, you know, you going back and forth the way I am. So when I'm at work, I'm listening to it. When I go home, I watch it. You don't feel like you're missing out either way. Like when you're listening Mm -hmm. to it, you still feel like you're that enthralled in the story and they do such a good job with their narrative, like gameplay. It, you don't really need the visual. The visual is just really nice to have and it just makes it more fun. So interesting. It just makes me want to play D and D so bad still. But it's so hard to get a party going. (laughs) Adulting is hard. And finding the time to get, you know, six people together. We tried it, and it's very difficult. (laughs) I feel like it's impossible sometimes. It's just like every time you set one up and the settings there, it's just, it, yeah. Yeah, even. Our lives are too busy. Even now with the digital age where you can just do it over Zoom or they have like different sites like Roll20 that make it easier to meet up with people online it's still incredibly difficult to do so unfortunately but one day one day we can 
start a campaign and see where it goes. It'll be really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a way to streamline it. That'd be kind of cool, oh, too. Yeah. Maybe even to like start off with like a little one shot or something like that. Instead of like dedicating time for like a big drawn out story. I think that's where the big issue was, was that like the idea of this could last for years and years, this one story, and then trying to figure out how to schedule like, okay, every Wednesday we're going to meet up at this time for this, right? Like that's just not how Mm -hmm. life works. And I feel like we've learned that with this podcast, trying to schedule the time to do it. The days change it week from week, right? (laughs) Like it's not easy, but Maybe if it's like a quick one shot where it's like, okay, like next week, three hours, we can get through a campaign. Let's do this. And then maybe in a couple of weeks, another one shot. That could be fun. So, and maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more manageable. Might have to look into that. Yeah, it'd be yeah. fun. So, speaking of D&D, actually, that's actually a very social game. And that kind of goes into the topic that we are going to be discussing this week. And that is social deduction games or, you know, deception games or games that you lie to your best friend to or games that you want to kill everyone around you without, well, while getting away with it, right? That's social deduction games in a nutshell. And I feel like they are definitely on the rise with games like Among Us now becoming so popular, especially with Twitch and everything like that. Um, they are huge, right? Everybody loves a good deduction game, but they do have some very humble roots with the board games as well, right? So this episode, we're going to be discussing both board games and digital games, which I'm really excited about. Um, And kind of go through a little bit of the history of it because these games have been around since the 80s, which is kind of amazing to think about whenever they Hmm. feel like they are they feel kind of like a new concept, which is interesting, right? I, and it, it might be the way that it's being integrated now into our gaming society, but they really have been around for quite a while. So what are some, you know, social deduction games that you're familiar with or have you played any yourself? I've honestly only played digital ones before. So I think for me, one of the earliest probably is town of salem uh i feel like that goes back to like the flash days uh, i used to be really in the flash games at one point for some weird reason or another <laughs> and i remember town of salem being cool because it's just you lie you pretend you like try to like pick people off one by one and it's just a lot of fun you know and it always kept it always said it was inspired by like werewolf and Mafia and all those old ones, but I never actually looked into like its inspirations before. I just always mm-hmm. played it, and then obviously gravitated towards other digital games that are all in the same vein. You know, it's they're all kind of one and the same. They just either look really pretty or they do added mechanics, makes it kind of mm-hmm. fun. Uh, I think the most recent one I really played was. Probably Spy Party. I played that a little bit for a while, which was really fun. It's quick, easy. I know Town of Salem can sometimes drag on. So it's fun playing those quick games. I personally haven't really gotten into Among Us. 
I've watched it, but I've never really sat down and played it too much. Yeah, same. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I started out playing deduction games on tabletop, actually. And I think the first one I played was uh, One Night Mer- uh, One Night Werewolf, right? And it's hmm. basically, it's just Werewolf, right? Um, which actually came out originally in, like, 1990. Um, but that was, like, the second title as far as, like, the history of social deduction gaming is the second title is werewolf but it's a direct spin-off of the game mafia they have the same rule sets it's just skinned differently where instead of mafia now you're a wolf or instead of like just a citizen you're a villager right so it's it's all like the same concepts as far as that goes hmm. um if you're not familiar with those games or you haven't played them or haven't checked them out uh basically like for or instance with mafia what you do is you, let's say you have a party of nine people um usually it's kind of a ratio of one to three as far as who's in the mafia and who is like a regular townsman so if you have a party of nine then you would have three members of the mafia right and you like at the beginning of the game everyone closes their eyes right and then at one point like the game master says everyone from the mafia open your eyes right and you want to be able to see who's a member of your mafia team but you want to keep it a secret and then each night phase of that game the mafia members decide which player they want to kill and while the game unfolds it basically just becomes an arguing match of who's a member of the mafia, who's the shadiest, who said the wrong thing, or right? And you're trying to deci- or decipher who is a member of the mafia so that the townsmen can win. And same concept goes for werewolf, except for instead of trying to find out who's a member of the mafia, you're just trying to find out who is a wolf and you want to kill the wolf before all the villagers die. Now, those games, I think, are really, really fun. And I think one of the key things to those games, you mentioned it, is the quick gameplay. Um, Salem, Mm -hmm. yeah, it can drag a little bit, right? And I think that's where these other deduction games have really taken off. You don't want these games to be very, very long. Um, And some of them actually set up time limits to the discussion periods. Like, for instance, Secret Hitler... Uh, actually has time limits to the discussion phases so that you can kind of keep the gameplay going so it doesn't just drag on with just arguments over arguments. And, of course, when you're with a group of people, those time limits kind of become a little bit more laxed as you're playing it because you get really into it. Or if you're with a party that actually gets really into it, then they the discussions can go kind of for a long time. But that just adds to the fun of it Right. If everyone's just enjoying the arguments and the deception, then time doesn't really matter in that aspect. But I feel like that helps more whenever you're interacting socially around with people. Right. Like it's kind of become like a little bit of a drinking game at this point. But it's just it's fun. It's enjoyable. And I'm really curious as to why these deduction games are beginning or it feels like they're gaining popularity right and i always find it interesting that games in which you're lying people get really really into it right like trying to figure out the psychology of people and being able to pick out who is lying or who's telling the truth and kind of look for these visual cues 
kind of like you're you're playing mental poker with somebody. It's mm-hmm. I, I find it really really interesting as far as the psychology of it. Like I don't know, it's something that I've been thinking about more and more recently. As we uh, when we originally discussed doing this episode, like that was one of the things that my mind kind of like gravitated to is like what's up with the psychology behind this because it's always such a trip to me um i don't know do you have any thoughts on that because i'm i think it allows people to be a part of them that they don't really you know do Mm. or they don't act on it so it's kind of like it's it's fun to give back at someone without actually hurting them Mm. You know, and I think that's maybe why these games have gotten so big. And it's, I mean, the biggest reason why I think, you know, like say Among Us is so big and all that is because this is a little genre that never really took off. I mean, it was big in like, if you played those kind of games, but you never really saw it throughout the generations of games, like digitally, right? Like, I don't think there really was a digital game like this until Town of Salem, which was like 2012, 2014. Yeah, I think it wasn't until like chat was enabled, right? Like that. Yeah, that's a big component. And so it was kind of like this hidden thing. And, you know, like you're like we were saying, like Salem's slow. So the next step up, you know, you look at a game like Deceit where it's fast paced um, and kind of like a first person shooter. It made it more interesting, mm-hmm. but the game had a lot of problems. And then you look at Among Us where it's like just quick, fast paced. People can play their little mind games and do that. And it makes sense because, I mean, it kind of brings people closer together. It's fun. And I think, like, for me, it's fun being sneaky. And I think, for me, that's what I really like these games about. They just, it's fun being sneaky. I like trying to mess everything up without really being known. So it's kind of cool. That that is kind of the fun part about it, right? Like, knowing that you're kind of sabotaging things around you and you're, kind of moving the pieces around like you're the game master behind the scenes right like like you know a secret that no one else does i feel like that's something that a lot of people really enjoy in life is like oh i have a secret right like people love gossip and i feel like that's something that kind of plays into the excitement of these games it's like mm-hmm. oh i know something you don't know right and then it's it's like, oh, but I'm not going to tell you, right? Like, it, I don't know, it's kind of a trip. And I feel like it's great to see that now with, like, the digital age is being able to bring out some really interesting concepts when it comes to social deduction gaming. Um, Like, for instance, you know, Secret Neighbor, which is a spinoff of Hello Neighbor, which is like a little tiny survival horror game where you're a child basically trying to figure out what the fuck that your neighbor is doing because they're like super creepy. Yep. But then now they came out with a spinoff of it of Secret Neighbor where you're you're doing the same thing, but you're with a group of kids getting into the neighbor's house and like f- 
fishing around and looking for keys and trying to get into the basement to figure out like this guy's secrets and like figure out what he's up to because he's super shady. But lo and behold, one of the kids is actually the neighbor in disguise, right? And I always got like it vibes from that game, right? <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's almost like Pennywise hiding amongst the kids and like kind of just leading them along this horrible story just to fuck with them at the end and basically turn well he turns them into puppets whenever he finds them so like there's some weird magical lore behind this neighbor and you're just trying to figure it out and survive which is really fun so it's cool to see games that have already like an established game type or style and then integrating to something a little bit more social in that way yeah and i think that's kind of like that might be a cool new integration for multiplayer games, right? Like we we say a lot or we see this a lot now where everyone follows the battle royale model and every game that can get a multiplayer mode is going to get a battle royale mode. I mean, even Final Fantasy released that they're going to be doing a battle royale game. I know. I'm like, I thought the genre was dead, but it, I mean, like. I didn't think there'd be anything new, right. you know. And it could be interesting, right? I mean, it, it's a cool concept, at least, where you're actually a Shinra soldier and you get dropped in and you're one of the first soldiers. So, like, you're, you know, infused with Mako energy and you're going to get abilities. And it could be interesting. It could be really fun. But for me, Battle Royale games are all the same thing. So it's cool that it's a nice, it's, I guess it's refreshing, right? And that's the best word for it. Uh, to see a different style of multiplayer being utilized where it doesn't need to be a royale, but now you can kind of take these games and figure out how to throw in social deceit, right? Where now the player is constructing the story for you. You give them the tools and then they go basically play in the sandbox and create their own entire world that you could never even imagine what happened they create their own lore their own situations and like how they're going to get out of these things and create new strategies around it and change the meta of the game that you as a designer would have never even thought about which is really really cool in my opinion and i'm excited to see other games potentially take this model and kind of run with it if they do I think it would be fun to see. Like, I, I I could think of some games that would be interesting as like social deduction games, right? Yeah. Yeah. I going back to what you said too. I was thinking. I think a big reason why these games are fun to me is that someone that like gets anxiety, like in mm -hmm. a group, it's kind of fun being the person that you know can alter the game completely without having to be you know, at the spotlight, like I can, you know, lie and all that, but to actually like say, you know, go around killing the other players and no one knows it's like, like, yeah, I'm just not the spotlight, mm -hmm. you know? And I think for me that makes it more fun. And I don't know. That's why I like these kind of games. And now I'm thinking like, Oh, like what if other like genres incorporated this kind of stuff? Hey everybody, just jumping in real quick. Uh, you know, just want to say first of all, thank you for continuing listening and obviously you're enjoying it because you've reached the middle of our episode. Uh, but 
Before we continue on, uh, we just wanted to remind you all that if you are truly enjoying what you're hearing and you want to learn some more about us, uh, you can find us on our social medias and we have links in our description and you can find me and all the drawings that I'm doing on Instagram at Kieran and that's K-E-U-R-A-N. What about you, Chris? Uh, you can find me at Sloppy Cube on Instagram. That's Sloppy and Cube at the end of it. <clears throat> I do all retro games or just games in general. So if that's your thing, check me out. You can also message me about ideas and anything because I love talking. Yep. We both really enjoy talking, obviously, because we are recording a podcast. So if, <laughs> if you want to join in the conversation, please reach out to us on the Discord. And let's get right back into this episode. Like, what would you like a game that included a deception system? Like what? What could you see? What would be fun? Like a genre, a game, or like a game that's already existing? What would be fun as a deception game? That. Okay. Like if it already existed. Huh. You know what would be fun? This is the first thing that popped in my head, and I could see them doing it just because they like to try new things. Um, a Nintendo deception game, right? Like a, a Mario Ooh. deception game. Where, I mean, Bowser already, like, changes shape. He goes gigantic. He's able to do all these crazy things, right? So what if it's, yeah. like, hidden Bowser, right? And mm. you have to figure out who Bowser is, but throughout the whole thing, he's, like, sending out little Goombas or his his son kind of creeps into the story every once in a while and you help the son, like, Bowser Jr., like, set up, little things by leaving like maybe you can like leave little like graffiti tags everywhere since bowser jr has like the paintbrush a lot of the time right hmm. like little symbols for him to like sabotage this area right and like that could be kind of interesting or like you you taint power-ups by making them like evil versions of it or like bowser versions like i mean they have that in mario party where the mini games get tweaked right. to be evil like maybe instead of like they have the regular mushroom, what if you grabbed it and now it's a poison mushroom? So now you're super small and you can't like you take damage easier. So then when Bowser comes out, he can just kind of like smash you real quick. Right. Or like that. That could be kind of cool, actually. I kind of like that. No. I was like trying to think of like a Pokemon kind of way and I'm like, hmm. They could do something with that, too. I feel like but. if you try hard enough, you could really make anything into a deception game. And I think that's the beauty of figuring out maybe this could be a new multiplayer to explore. Yeah. Like, broaden it out a little bit more. That'd be kind of fun. What would be a genre that, like, if if you genre-bended and, like, made it more social deduction it doesn't have to be like full-on like lying to people but maybe like adding in that element because like if you break down social deduction right social like a social game because there's two different types of gameplay in there right you have social games which just means you're interacting with other people while you're playing games which could be things like mario party uno simple things like that right and then you have deduction mm -hmm. games, which could be broken down to just like logic puzzle games or 
something along those lines, right? So now we're kind of mashing those two things together to make social deduction games where you're figuring out the story with other people there, right? And obviously, like, things like Dungeons & Dragons, I would consider a social deduction kind of game because you're trying to figure out puzzles together, right? Now, what yeah. if you have, like, a roguelite social deduction game, right? Like, maybe, hmm. let's say you get picked off, like, let's say, like, werewolf style, right? You get picked off, yeah. but then you can come back as, like, a new entity, and now you have, like, some new bit of knowledge. Or, like, you get a card that says, like, how many deceptors there are, right? Or, like, some sort of bit of information there that you don't have to share with the party, but you can. So it's like gaining artifacts in your runs. And then you can kind of like come back and do it. And I think that they could add more of a challenge to the Deceptors because now they're trying to basically battle against time um, because the more people they pick off or let's say they pick off the same person multiple times, they might have more and more information to make that that decision easier for them to find out who the deceptors are. That's an interesting idea. I kind of like that. I'm uh I'm thinking of like what if say like you pick off a character, right? Instead of just injecting them out of a spaceship or just them being done, what if they could still interact with the map? Hmm. And mess with everybody. So that way, like, you know, obviously they can't do it all the time. Because, I mean, if there's going to be, like, five or six people getting, like, kicked out, you can't have, like, one person being able to change everything. Right. But but give them a little what bit. What if, of like, yeah. yeah. And depending, like, how far that person made it into the game. Like, say if it's, like, between, like, the last four. Whoever was the last one getting kicked out, they could probably alter more of the map. Like in the beginning, it could the person can do minor tweaks. And then as it goes on, they can do more and more stuff to make it either where they can make it harder for the, the mm -hmm. suspect or they can make it easier for the people trying to figure it out. Right. That way it's kind of like a double... That way people can still play even though they get, you know, mm -hmm. booted. Like, just that. And I was thinking back to, like, I know this is a little bit different, but with Team Fortress 2, when you're the okay. spy, um, you're able to take on a player from the other mm -hmm. team with their look. And you won't be able to tell who it is unless you, like, just shoot at your teammates, right? What if there were more... I don't know, shooters or like deathmatch kind of games where you could do that, where there'd be spy roles and you could just take on players from the other team with their name and infiltrate more. I that like way. that. It's like you total know, espionage like, games. Yeah. Like imagine like, not as a battle royale, but say there was how like Battlefield has those like 64 player matches where it's 32, 32. Mm -hmm. What if they incorporated spy classes where you could do that and 
on these major battlefields, you would have that espionage group where it's like just a bunch of dudes as spies or taking over like teammates of the other mm-hmm. team. And then they can just infiltrate. Like it'd be kind of cool if they could somehow work that into it. So it's, you know, obviously don't overpower them, but make it so it seems more like a a Bond kind of like, spy thriller action game like i don't know it'd be kind of cool if you could do that like but i mean it'd be just be cool if you had shooters in general that were just grand mm-hmm. and big but it'd be cool if they expanded that kind of like espionage side yeah i like that idea a lot actually because that that would be really interesting like what what if it's a kind of like like risk right but Instead of like battles, the battles are fought like kind of like with internal government, right? So you have to infiltrate and like kind of deceive your way into the other country's government system in order to like adjust their laws, right? So like maybe like there's a law that's not allowing or like is closing borders and you find a way to open that border. But that means now you can get like your insurgents in easier, right? Or like something kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a very long. I feel like that would be a long game or a long play game. But that could be really interesting to really play on the idea of like espionage, and you can even add in to like Ooh. deep fakes and stuff like that now, especially with like the digital age of what we're working with. Yeah. Like what? What if that's like a mobile game, right? Or it's kind of like Pokemon Go or one of those style games. Where like you can kind of log in, like let's say instead of Pokestops, there's like little like hacker points. You hop into the system and you try and like mess with something and like you're working in different factions that go around and try and like just basically you have a centralized goal for your faction that you're trying to accomplish. And it could be like daily goals or weekly goals or something like that that you set up so that like you're constantly engaging the player that way as well i'm thinking of expanding that and making it like how you kind of said risk but like civilization right so you play as like different governments right on the map but you can send spies to these other like cities and have them i don't know you could try and make it so one of these cities kills someone from another city so it starts Mm -hmm. like a feud so then they think it's the other city or you can like mess with their tent like their government and like kind of i don't know make it like civilization where it'd be turn-based so then that way like say because it'd be a long game that way you know you don't have to sit there for eight hours playing this game like you could you know go on your phone do some kind of alteration on someone's city and then come back later on once your turn comes back and you can keep altering it like i don't know it'd be like a big grand chess yeah, game i guess I like that i like how this episode's become we make a game again <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> i feel like that's our like our internal energy is saying that we need to do another one of those because they're really fun i i've yeah. been hoping to do one so i'm excited yeah. we should do no, it again i think that might be kind of the tie-in for this right now <laughs> yep hell yeah a preview maybe, for next week maybe you never know right you know, a little hint there maybe 
But yeah, I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest draw with these kind of games is like this. You see it all the time too when you're playing like Dungeons and Dragons or whenever I start like even most people when they start like rolling a character, one of the first classes that people get gra- or they gravitate to is the rogue class, right? Like it, it just yeah. gives you the ability to be a little sneaky or just give that chance to do it. And you mentioned it earlier as well. Like this gives players the chance to do something that they normally wouldn't do without exactly without any of the repercussions of it. Right. Like everyone wants, Mm -hmm. I feel like we all want to make the exciting choices, but in real life, those exciting choices most of the time are going to lead to some negative repercussions from them that are going to be really hard for us to dig ourselves out of. But in these game situations, the games sometimes like if you play like Among Us, Among Us can be like a five minute game and you can just be a complete crazy person, go around and sabotage everything, kill everybody, like just really lie and cheat your way through this game. And then five minutes later you just go back to being you right like maybe you're a husband or wife or or a wife and you have you know a couple kids that you're taking care of but then you can go and basically escape from reality for a second be kind of a shithead right and just kind of get out some pent up energy maybe like that's an interesting draw to these games that give you the ability to do those things which is really exciting i guess that you could say right as far as that goes so i don't know like everybody tells little white lies or they fabricate the truth to make it more interesting right we're we're all storytellers by heart i mean that's how our history originally was passed down from generation to generation was through stories and in some civilization it's still done that way to this day, right? Like, I, I listened to a very interesting interview with um, there was a Native American like um, chief, I guess, right? It was on NPR, and they were talking to him about what items you would want to save in case of like a nuclear blast, right? And they asked a bunch of Americans, and a lot of them were saying things like, "Oh, you know, like the Declaration of Independence," or like weird things like Abraham Lincoln's um, autopsy files, like some really strange stuff that they were declaring as like the most important things to save for their civilization. And his response was nothing. Like we would save nothing because our stories and our like laws and everything is told by mouth to person to person. And it was interesting the reasoning behind that and it was so that it could be interpreted properly for that time frame right whereas like with mm-hmm. if we try and save like the declaration of independence we when people read that or try and stick to it they're so like straight to those words and it's the same thing with like the bible or other things like that any word of text anything written down if it's written it that's it there's no real like there's no real room for interpretation as far as that goes. And I really, I really appreciate the idea of being able to take these things that we hold so dear and true, and then being able to interpret it and relate it to 
what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis or what we're dealing with at that specific time, right? So it, I lost my train of thought and I'm going on rambling again, <laughs> but <laughs> I kind of like it though. But, I mean, I guess to try and like wrap that back around to these style of the games is we want to be able to like weave our own tales and interpret the rules differently for our own situations. And each playthrough of the game that you're going to be doing, there's certain set rules, but the way that you interpret those rules or handle them or tweak them to however you want so that you can get the win condition. So you can get, you know, that chicken dinner at the end of the game, you're going to change those rules and laws as far as you can to lie and deceive your way to victory, right? And I guess at some point, like you could say it's not deception in that sense. It's a warping of the rules or it's a manipulation of them, which is fine because Mm. that's gameplay, right? Like everyone interprets things differently whenever you jump with a character in a game to one person it might feel like it's super smooth or just right right but then to someone else it might feel really clunky and awkward or slow or even when it comes to like difficulty ratings one person might think that the easy mode is just like child's play this is ridiculous why would you even play that mode or you're some people might even think that you're ruining the original intent of the game right but for others easy mode means that like it's something that they can actually get through and enjoy the game or they're just looking to play through the story itself so looking at the original intent of the game designer and interpreting those rules so that you can absorb the maximum amount of fun out of this game is your way of playing like everyone has their own style of play that changes from run to run so maybe maybe we're wording it wrong as saying it's like deception games like yeah you are kind of like i guess you're you're lying but you're holding on to knowledge that that other players don't know and I guess in a way that is deceiving, right? But you're just tweaking the rules each time you're playing to increase the amount of fun, not just for you, but what you like the people that you're playing around as well. And I think that's where like the social aspect really comes into play there, where you are feeding off the energy of the people around you. And when other people are having fun, you have fun, right? So being able to mm-hmm. like change things up or like throw a little like right like a wrench in the system real quick and like throw people off for no real reason just to kind of get a laugh like that creates memories and it makes the game that much stronger where when you look at like the base game it it's very simple and there is none of that baked into it. There's no rules saying that you have to lie, that you have to, you know, come up with outlandish stories or create these situations where you're throwing blame at someone just to kind of like create a scene or get a rise out of them. That's not in the rules. That's us and changing things up and interpreting them and making the game what we want to make it more enjoyable for not just us, but the people that we're playing with as well. 
You really turned that around really well. <laughs> um, I almost lost it. <laughs> it. It was good, though, because it really tied in because it was like I was thinking about what you were saying. And I'm like, hmm, like it's true, though, because it's like the time we spend doing this, like even though we are being deceitful in the game, it, it brings us closer together, you know, like, I mean, unless you're playing with randos. But even then, it's just, you know, it's. It's it's weird You're finding ways to increase the fun for others. Being, yeah, yeah, you can be deceitful, but no yeah. one gets hurt in the end. Exactly, yeah, which is kind of cool. Which is great. I mean, nobody wants to hurt anybody unless you're a psychopath. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely a there are, few of those right? out there. And the, Might be one listening know, to this right? podcast. And of course, right there's now. like trolls out there and all that. Like that's that exists, and to say that doesn't is you know that's it's a lie, and that's thinking about like a perfect utopian society in which people don't want utopian utopian society society, the worst kind of society (laughs) it's all all a bunch of people like watching lifting videos and saying oh you can't even lift you don't know what you're doing but really they're like professional power lifters and you're a guy sitting in your room eating Cheetos talking shit about someone that's dedicated their whole life to something right like it's (laughs) <laughs> I feel called out. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy to me that that's a thing. And, you know, maybe that's actually, that could be something that's leading to the popularity of these style of games as well, because everyone gets to be the troll. Right. Exactly. Yeah. People love it. I mean, that's definitely something to think about. It's kind of weird. What if we just made a, oh, going back to making a game again, I'll save this for what? another episode, fuck it. I, I, I thought of a good idea, like, what if, what if the game took place on a message board, like a pretend one, and you had to be the perfect troll? Ooh, what would be your ultimate goal? <laughs> How many people can you get to? <laughs> them are going a wild tangent. How many tangent. people can you get hit to hit all F4, right? Or like... Who can become a? Ooh, oh yeah, there could be different scenarios like, like that. Can you get your like? Can you make yourself a meme or something like that? Right, like. <laughs> I like funny this idea. Too. It would look like a pretend Facebook kind of post, and like you have to post something, and it's like you either win by seeing how many people get mad at it or like believe it. Instead of Reddit, it's called Fuck It, but Ooh, it's F U K. again if anyone uses this idea uh, please please quote us please involve us because we would love to help out with this time (laughs) because that would be really fun to do All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week thank you again for listening to this episode and we just want to give a big shout out to the community out there. And actually, there is one uh, other podcast that I really want to shout out before we hop off here. And it is the Side Questing Podcast. Uh, these guys are great. And, you know, we've been in contact with them a little bit back and forth. Um, they throw a lot of support out there for the community, send a lot of love out there. So we want to make sure that we do the same thing and send out some love to those guys. So with that, I think that's going to be it. We're going to be signing off now. So thank you very much for listening. And uh, thank you. Don't be sus. 
Yeah, don't, <laughs> bye. bye. Don't be sus out there. Bye. Bye. <laughs>